the voice of the Blue Bombers one-on-one with Mike O'Shea. The Pro-Line Gold Bomber Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. Coach Show brought to you by DeKalb. Book now and save up to $50 on a bag of canola. 204-780-6868. We're getting the calls in. We're taking your texts. You can also get me at DT on OB on Twitter. All your questions for the head coach, Mike O'Shea, back for the bye week in one piece, full of Dairy Queen, as I understand the story that Ed Tate wrote. Is that correct? Is, is that what it is? That's what kept me off the last show. I got to apologize to you, Derek, and the, the listeners and the callers for missing the show. I just uh, I messed up. It's, uh, I guess it happens, but I'd, I'd like to say I was just playing a dirty trick on you, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, no, I just, uh, lost track of my days. Well, you, you were, and people were wanted to know it was a, it was a weekend for you. You had a field name for you in North Bay, which, uh, part of the trip back there. Uh, tell us what you can about the ceremony, about the field being named in your honor, what it's like. Yeah. Short and sweet. You know, the, the mayor spoke for two minutes. I spoke for less than that, probably. I uh, got to visit with some some old friends, teammates. Uh, uh, all three high school coaches I had. Um, so Bantam football, or grade nine football, junior and senior, the head coaches were there. So really? A couple of the other coaches have passed, unfortunately, and then some other coaches that were assistant coaches there. So my, uh, it was great to see them, great to... Uh, Spend a lot of time chatting uh, with Roger Edels in particular, the head coach of our senior football team. So hadn't uh, had a chance to really sit down with him for quite some time. So it was very nice. That's that's very cool. Uh, the field that was named for you, the Michael Shea field, is it a field you'd played on or is it a brand new field? It's a new facility the city has uh, has put on. Now I, it's new. I say it might be 10 years old. I'm not sure exactly okay. how old it is now. Um, but it's quite a complex. It's, um, you know, I think it's a it's a great thing for the city and the youth of our city to have a facility like that. We didn't have those facilities. Uh, you know, I think um, our field, our high school field, was right was between our high school and the great and a graveyard. <laughs> so oh, really? yeah, it was uh, it was, but it was a great place to play. I mean, yeah, all the the potholes or whatever else was there, it was fantastic. It uh, holds a lot of memories. That my high school doesn't even exist anymore really as a high school so they've sort right. of amalgamated and um but so this facility is fantastic for for the city and for for all the teams that are going to use it there's a bunch of different fields uh, in the one complex yeah my uh, my high school was built on a former dump site so there were little ball you know things that didn't d- disintegrate over time and you go i'm just happier for the kids now we went through <laughs> that stuff go for holes you know broken the ankles kids today they I'm glad that they have it now. We didn't get it. I'm glad they have it. Yeah. It's, they are living the life of Riley, though. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's pretty good. Uh, we, uh, as you imagine, uh, we had a bunch of questions and calls and texts, and we want plenty more. Whatever you have for the head coach, Mike O'Shea, we would love to have you with us. 204-780-6868. You can also reach out on Twitter, at DT on OB. You want to ask about the Montreal game? You want to ask about Calgary coming up and the chance of beating them three, maybe four times in a season? You want to ask the coach about Nathan Rourke and the implications of that? Just throwing them out there. Anything you have got for the head coach, Mike O'Shea, uh, we will take it. Lloyd is with us on the phone line. Lloyd, thanks for being with us. Uh, your question for Mike O'Shea. Uh, yes, uh, I was at the game on Thursday and, of course, disappointed with the result. Uh, I won't talk about the kicker, although that is a major concern. I'm talking about the offensive line. 
Claris was running for his life much of the game. Um, are you concerned about our offensive line, and if so, what's the plans to improve it? Uh, never concerned about our offensive line. There, you know, have been and still are a, a top group in this in the in the league. Um, there wouldn't be anybody that I'd want differently on it. So, um, and you know, I don't really. I think it's a stretch to say he was running for his life. He does scramble very well. I mean, you talk about that one play where he left the pocket and hit hit Dalton Schoen uh, in the end zone for a touchdown uh, and took a hit after. But, mm. um, you know, teams understand that they've got to get him off his spot a little bit. And, you know, they also realize that they should probably contain him. And when they fail to do so, we've been uh, – we get to see how good Zach is. So – um, well, but, the last two games, though, sir, we look at the number of sacks. Sal, Sal, pardon me. Uh, he had there were five sacks in this last game. If that continues, that uh, could be disastrous. You know what happened to Nathan York, which I'm very sad to see happen to him. But uh, I'm just saying that uh, uh, there, you know I know your team was tired. Maybe that played a role. But uh, all I'm saying is that I. I have a concern about the offensive line. That's all I'm saying. Yep, I appreciate your concern. The the, the one thing that you have to keep in mind is um, when we break down the film, not every sack is attributable to offensive line play, right? So receivers block, running backs block, quarterbacks um, get rid of the ball on time, which means receivers have to be at, at their depth in their spot on time. That's not even factoring in mm -hmm. that you're playing against a professional defense that's taking all this stuff away. and With Mike Moore, who wants to kill you. Yes, feel it. you know, with very Man. talented very talented players yep. that have their own scheme to try and defeat your scheme. So mm -hmm. um, did it add up to five sacks? Sure. Did, are they on the offensive line? Definitely mm -hmm. not. So Okay. Yep. Lloyd, thanks for being with us. Appreciate your call. Bye. Lloyd, nice to be with us on the phone line. Stanley is with us as well. Stanley, welcome to the Coach's Show. Your question for head coach Mike O'Shea. Hello there, Coach. Uh, i got two questions. I'll, I'll sum them up very quickly. Uh, the game against Montreal, uh, I watched that game, and according to the rules, you're allowed to make contact with a receiver for the first five yards, after five yards, you're not supposed to make contact. And during that game against Montreal, I counted at least three times. Blatant pass interference with the receivers were not called in the game. Are you going to address this when you're playing against Calgary? Second question is about the O-line. It seems like that they're not opening up a seam for the backs to get out of the backfield and run straight up the gut. What are you going to do about this? Oh, I'll, 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 I have something for that second one as well. But coach, uh, the the first one, the pass interference was a, well, was yeah, a conversation illegal, point. Illegal contacts, I think, are down in the league this year in terms of the number of calls. Do I think there's less of them? No. Do I think it's a point of emphasis? Probably not in the league this year. There's other things they're they're trying to uh, focus on and clean up. I do think when you play. Um, Teams that run a lot of man coverage, there's a little more of the the bumping that goes on. But there has to be a standard, too, of, of whether or not it 
materially affects the route or the receiver's ability to catch the ball. So would I like to would I like us to have a few more calls go in our favor? Sure. But when I watched the film, there was not a lot of plays that I would have felt compelled to send to the league as, hey, we missed this or missed that. I mean, there's going to be missed calls in every game um, for both sides. So I, I do think when you when you play a team that plays a little bit more man coverage, you get a little bit more of it. And if it doesn't meet the standard, then let's not have the flag. Yeah. Doug didn't love the one Winston Rose got called on. I thought it was fine, which makes me go, it's probably pretty close if two reasonably knowledgeable people can argue about it. I'm like, okay, I kind of get why they called it. Doug hated it. Let them play that, that kind of thing. And Uh, the, the, the running back question, well, you know, we don't always run straight down the shoot either. Right. I mean, we don't always run a gap to a gap. Um, and we have in the past, we've been a primarily an inside run team in the past. And so everybody knows that. And when we play teams, they generally try to load up the interior or move stunt to the inside gaps and try and take away the downhill run game that we've been, um, sort of growing <laughs> and I honestly been very dominant at, I think in the last bunch of years. So I do think that teams are, when they plan, when they look at their off season and they go over the game film and they look at who they need to beat and how they need to do it, taking away the downhill run against Winnipeg would be a priority. You like that Stanley? Is that you good with that answer? Uh, well, the uh, second part, yeah, I'm okay with. But the first part, uh, Coach, I- I'm sorry. I have to disagree with you. I've seen blatant pass interference in the game against Montreal, and it affected the route of the receiver, and it was not called because the receiver could not get to his 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 area where he had to get to because the ball wasn't even near him. Yeah. I, I do think the CFL is look is is on top of that. I do think they've recognized that the number of illegal contact calls is down. Uh, I don't know, I can't say significantly. I haven't looked at it that closely. I just I yeah. just hope and I pray that you would bring this up with the officials before the game even starts with Calgary. <laughs> I like the thought of working the officials before the game even starts. Nah, That's I, a good – I like that, Stanley. That's good. You know, Put I, it in their mind. I think that a lot of times that tends to backfire. When you go into somebody else's workplace and tell them how to do their job, oh, yeah. you know, that doesn't really work very well. Stanley, appreciate your call. Thanks for being with us on The Coaches Show. Thank you. Uh, we talked about it in the Daily Coaches show, and you, you you gave some good stuff back to me that I now have to go back and look at and film. But in the Calgary game in week six, uh, on average, Brady got hit behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, since then, two yards, three yards, two yards, 2.2 yards before contact. At least the numbers would indicate holes are being open for the running back in the run game. We talked pass game. But Brady has more, appears to have, feels like he has more room to work with the last four or five weeks. And I mean, his results, you run the ball more, he runs the ball, more, he hits a hundred yards. I think the running game feels pretty good right now from a fan's perspective. Yeah, uh, I would think so, except maybe for the last caller, but yeah, I think, I do think they're, they're coming into their own the last four or five weeks, maybe six weeks, I would say. 
And I think it's a it's always a combination. You're playing, you know, there's 12 guys on the field, right? 24 when you count the defense. Yeah. So you there's always so many factors that go into it. Um, but I do think that collectively our run game is is really shaping up, you know, quite well. And um, when that happens, I imagine the opposition will pay even more attention to it. So that'll probably, there'll, <laughs> it, it, it won't be this meteoric rise yeah. <laughs> as the sea. You know, there will it, be fits and spurts of, of great production and then not so great production. You as know, it as was with along. Andrew Harris as your lead back. It's every, every single season. Absolutely. Plus this improved running game, Brady gets a chance to hammer halfbacks, and I love watching him get Ed Ganey, Brad Muhammad in back-to-back weeks. I, I love watching running yeah, backs Yeah, the way he finished that 19-yard run for the touchdown where he just took on the hit at the goal line and mm. kept driving his legs and pushed a guy beside him. You know, it was it's it's great physicality. <laughs> that is beautiful. Your texts, your calls, 204-780-6868. Head coach Mike O'Shea. We're back with more after this. Coach's show with Mike O'Shea brought to you by DeKalb. Book now and save up to $50 a bag on Canola. We were talking about the running game. Running back Brady Oliveira joins the start tomorrow for breakfast with the Bombers. Brady's a great guy to talk to. Uh, definitely tune into the gang for that in the uh, morning time. Eric had this question uh, last week. He wants to know, uh, Montreal, the overtime field goal appeared to be a time count violation. He says, you had a chat with the refs, but no challenge. Was that an option or what did the officials say? Um, Nothing, because it's not his call. It's the field judge, the guy at the back of the end zone. Um. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the guy at the back of the end zone. So he stands there and he watches the 20-second clock come down. If it hits zero, he then quickly averts his eyes to the snap. If the ball hasn't been snapped, it's a penalty. If it hits zero and he's looking down to find the ball and it's on its way up, it's not a time count. That's how they okay. That's how they do it. That's their standard for a time count. It's not it because they can't look at both places at once. They right. don't have a twenty second clock on their wrist. They don't have the basketball shot clock, they, which buzzes. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Interesting. So I've watched it, and based on the standard, there's it would not be called. Did I? Did my gut tell me they were a fraction late? That's what my gut said, but. Once again, that's not the standard and how it's officiated. And I completely understand how it's officiated. It's They can't possibly guess when the clock's at one, when it's going to hit zero, and then look down to try and be ahead of it. Right. It's not wouldn't be fair either, right? They would mess that up, you know? So anyway, that's the mechanics of Interesting. the okay. field judge, if that's the right guy who's back there, yeah. So 20 seconds and a, and a beat, essentially, to a fraction. move your eyes back. Okay, yep. interesting. I like that. That's that's a very good answer. Gary is with us on the line. Again, 204-780-6868. Uh, Gary, thanks for being with us. Your question for Coach Mike O'Shea. Well, thank you, too, for having me. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a short comment and then a question I'd like you to coach us, uh, the listeners. So the first comment is that old line-looking looking uh, maybe not quite as efficient as that caller thought they should be. I was at the game. I'll cut them some slack. I mean, after all, they hadn't had a break in weeks. So that's my first comment. But uh, I'd like you to coach us a bit, Coach. Uh, The hash marks have been moved in, and uh, it has changed, I guess, 
pros and cons to receptions in that whiteout area from the hash over to the sideline. Can you tell us what you see or what you know uh, that has transpired perhaps in the, um, you know, this part of the season regarding how the change of the hash marks in has changed anything going on from the hash mark to the sideline as far as receptions of passes? Yeah, so the 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 hope or the reason to make the change was to um, allow the wide side of the field um, to be utilized more. So they right. basically shortened the width of the wide side of the field. So in you should end up being able to throw wide field outs and that side uh, more often and more effectively. Right. Essentially you condensed, you know, when that field was that wide, a lot of times you brought that wide out. He stood in from the sideline anyway. And so you condensed the field regardless of, of uh, you know, where the hashes were, where the sideline was. You were always condensing the field. So now, you know, I do think it's being utilized a little more. I think there's a little more, um, I guess, parity on, on where the footballs go. I can say this, I haven't studied it to say okay. what those yeah. numbers look like, but that was the reason yeah. why they did it. And I do think that it's that that's happening, that you are getting mm-hmm. more of those field side throws. Mm-hmm. Just the last part on that question, would it be harder for the defender in, in those cases? I, I don't think so, to tell okay. you the truth. I just think that they... When you adapt to those hashes, some other routes become more viable and some other routes are now less viable because of the positioning right. of the, of the right. defense. All right. Well, thank you, Mike. Yep. Gary, thanks, thanks for, for being with us. Appreciate you being with us. It's one of the things that, as you say this, I went, why didn't I do this uh, in advance of being on the show with you today? But how much more is going to that wide side? How much more is actually going to the field side, or pardon me, the short side? Because now that boundary wide receiver has four yards more of space to play with. And that's traditionally where that was the Bobby Gordon, Milt Stiegel duo back yeah, in the day. A, where, that was always the hot side, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that'll be. You're gonna, we're going to need thousands and thousands of plays to to really know, and then you have it's nine different dudes making the decision of where to attack, and sixty five different receivers deciding how to attack. It's going to be. Inter- I'm interested to see what it actually plays out, but I never, I don't know, I ever bought the field side thing. I always thought it'd be more profound on the short side. That- that's that's a good point. When you when you have a little bit more room over there, a little more space to work um, on a shorter throw. Faster the receiver's hands, faster for him to utilize that space. Yeah. Yeah, you'd think that, um, well, you'd hope that, I guess the hope is that offense is up in general. Yeah, Yeah. which, I mean, on a points per game basis, it's up over last year. But last year was such an aberration going down that what should we really take away from that becomes a uh, becomes a question. Uh, we're going to have a ton more to talk about on the other side of the break. We'll get into uh, the kicking game. We talked to Mark Leggio this week uh, in advance of Thursday's game, plus more of your questions and texts. 204-780-6868, the Coaches Show at 680 CJOB. Coaches Show brought to you by DeKalb. Book now and save up to $50 on a bag of canola. He is the head coach, Mike O'Shea. I'm hoping he's seen the Manti Teo documentary on Netflix. No. Oh, my goodness. The former Notre Dame star linebacker who got catfished in 2010. Oh, my gosh. 
This no, not a, does the name is it is the story at all registering? Zero interest. Oh wow, it is highly recommended. Untold. The seems Manti voyeur, Teo seems voyeuristic. It it was this. He was the best player at the big school in the Johnny Manziel year, and he his 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 grandmother and his girlfriend died on the same day, and it turns out his girlfriend didn't exist. And there was a, we went down a big media rabbit hole. The whole story is fascinating and cruel, and the person who was perpetrating it a lot has changed in her life since this happened. Uh, for anybody listening, coach not down, maybe, maybe off season. Give it a shot, but uh, you'll have to remind me because I promise you, I will forget this. <laughs> Manti Teo documentary on Netflix. Plenty more of your texts and calls. 204-780-6868. Uh, this one from Bill in St. James is is interesting, and it goes back to the kicking game. Ultimately, he says, "Coach, can you practice pressure? Uh, can a kicker have a routine to prepare for big time field goals through friendly gamesmanship or visualization?" Well, I'm sure. Every kicker that reaches the pro level visualizes making kicks. I'm sure by the time they get to us, they've all been in pressure situations, had to make game-winning kicks, um, and and Legs was on a very good football team. You know, I think he, yeah, I'm sure he won a Vanier, maybe two, but I know he, you know, he would have had to make big kicks in big games. So, uh, in terms of pressure situations. You know, they want to make every kick. And I think they do a great job of sort of eliminating the the outside noise. So I have been on teams where people would jump around and yell and people would, you know, the coach would ask somebody to yell in the kicker's ear when he's standing right there. <laughs> I, I don't subscribe to that. I think that's foolishness, honestly. Uh, so, you know, he, he kicks pretty well every day uh, except for – uh, day three, you know, he takes a break before the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's 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 been in tough situations before, and he's succeeded. You know, his his uh, kick percentage in university was, I think, close on ninety percent. It was it was ridiculous. Yeah. I remember running the numbers from all the kickers, and yeah. there was the kid from Calgary who hit a fifty-seven yard game winner. La la. But Mark's, I mean, compared to what was expected, he he was the only kicker in, in U Sports above a CFL expectation with his U Sports kicks. He Correct. was fantastic. He was fantastic. He yeah. is fantastic. And he will continue to grow. He is, I don't think he's played a full season yet as a kicker. Can right, you, so. the thing I think of with pressure is just the body's physiological response. And in my own profession, I don't have it. I don't have it ever, but there are situations where, oh my God, my body is going freak out. Yeah. I think I've said the wrong thing to coach and now I'm, my body is freaking no, out. I think, can, you train, yeah. can you train that out? I think the wonderful thing about pro athletes, Olympic athletes, athletes at this level, athletes that are like even my kids when they were in sport, they learn to love that feeling. You know, you it's if you really look at it, it's your body's way of getting you ready to do that. Right, it's not oh butterflies and all these things. It's your body's way of preparing you to start swinging or to start running. Yeah, right. So flight or flight, as they yeah. say. Yeah. So I think it's a wonderful thing, and I think by the time guys get to this level, they've harnessed that. Right. So when my kids were in youth sport, it was those were conversations we had about accepting, you know, <laughs> that feeling and yeah. and using it. Uh, you know, to be more powerful, right? You know, harnessing that. 
and so by the time we get guys, they they've already they understand that already, you know, and they they know how to use it to their advantage. We ran across it last week. Someone phoned in and asked, and I explained it how I would approach it. But is there any circumstance in a last second situation where you would punt and not attempt a field goal? Uh, no, you you've not run across one in your career. I I think if you're you know, when you punt, you're talking about you're standing, the snap has received 14 and a half, 14 yards further back from the line of scrimmage. Then they take up the steps and it goes up to four and a half yards. You move up or whatever, and then you punt. You know, the distances don't really make sense. You can kick a field goal further than you can punt, you know, most of the time. The, the distance traveled from a field goal from T to the from line of scrimmage to the end will be more than a gross punt. Yeah, I never I never even actually thought to look at that. Well, so that's that's, yeah. that's basically well, the answer. I <laughs> yeah. I approach it as last tw- last sixteen years fifth, that field goals that length were made eighty two percent of the time, fourteen percent of the time they were a single. So. Yeah. Is a how many how many punt blocks are there in a season compared to how many field goals or converts are blocked? As as Montreal's coming after that with all their right. all so, their heat in that situation. And oh yeah. by the way, the last guys to do it, Ken Miller in twenty ten, the ball didn't get out the back of the end zone. And he changed his call, remember. If you remember that game, he had lined up for a field goal and switched back to a punt. Oh, did he? Yes, and it did not go out the end zone. Yeah, it was it yeah. was caught at like the minus nineteen and the guy ran it clear and mm-hmm. it's neither <sighs> Nothing is a sure thing in sports, even though. Nope. And then people, oddly enough, you'll be surprised to know that in the Ken Miller time, people are like, why didn't you let Luka Kanji kick it? Exactly. <laughs> because it didn't work. <laughs> we want the one that will work, and we don't want the Everybody one. Everybody wants the one that'll work. Yeah. Let's, let's go to the phone lines. Andy's been with us on the phone line. Andy, thanks for being with us. Your question for Coach Mike O'Shea. Yeah, good evening, Coach. Just a couple quick questions. Uh, earlier caller asked if you would uh, – Talk to the officials about uh, any looking for specific penalties. What uh, in the pre-game warm-ups? Uh, what do you discuss with the officials? I see you at center field with them, uh, probably talking for about ten about ten minutes, it seems. And uh, yeah, if you could answer that, and also, uh, and you've spoken about this, the kicking situation. Now, is there a threshold where you would consider uh, dressing Ali Mortada, or is that? too much of a ratio consideration to have both kickers on the roster possibly I think I don't think Mark's had a great season so far he had a rough uh, finish to the Montreal game but I'm just wondering maybe he's got this uh, as a consideration dressing both to have that insurance possibly or is that not possible with the uh, with the ratio consideration I'll uh, I'll hang up and uh, good luck uh, good luck against Calgary yeah thank you uh, every, anything's possible with uh, the roster you just have to make it work at another area anytime you make a change something else on the roster has to give uh, that's not a consideration um, you know I, I like you said legs up until that last a uh, couple kicks. He's been having a very, very good year. You got to also remember that Mon- uh, Montreal's kicker doinked the the upright from closer, I believe, uh, earlier on in the game. So, uh, and then, you know, look at Lewis Ward. He missed two the other night. Uh, it happens, and you believe in your guy, and you support him, and you know that they're gonna. They they want nothing more than to um, help win football games for their teammates. They want nothing more than that. So you, you give them that opportunity and you support them and you let them know that, you know, when he when there is a miss, that I'm going to trot him right back out there for another one. 
you know? So um, I think if you go back and look at Liram Hayrulahu, he missed four in one game and then hit the fifth, which should have been a game winner. And then we let them drive back down on us, whoever we were playing, Edmonton, I think. And then uh, they kicked a long one to win the game. And now look where Liram is, right? It just... You've got to support your guys. You've got to give them the confidence to go out there and, and do it again. And I know that Legs has the support of his teammates, which is ultimately what's what's really important. Um, the first question was, what do I talk about? I'm really not. I try to be less than two minutes with the officials. I don't really spend a lot of time with them. They ask for a, a number of verifications on their cards, like uh, the, the numbers of certain players, quarterbacks, kicker, long snapper holder, tight ends, they ask for captains' numbers, those types of things. Uh, they ask for our ratio, and then I usually ask. They ask if I've got anything I want to talk about, and I that usually my response is, "What came through with the CFL memo?" Because every mm. week the officials are given tape they need to look at, uh, and a memo that each crew goes over the night before uh, they officiate a game. So the league puts together a group of plays, a basket of plays for them to look at. And, uh, and away they go. But it's always interesting to hear what they're looking at. And if it's something that I've missed in terms of what we've talked about during the week, um, I will make sure I bring it up to our group or to the particular players that need to hear it. Um, but we do, I think we do a pretty good job. Uh, Boo always does a special teams week in review. I try to do a little IQ uh, video footage from all the other games so that we're up on what might be talked about in the officials world. He is the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Your line to him is 204-780-6868. Also on Twitter at DT on OB. We'll talk about Thursday's game. Uh, Kevin, will take your call as well on the other side. It's the coaches show on 680 CJOB. Terry is on Twitter. Uh, she says, which one of our jerseys is O'Shea's favorites? She's buying one for herself for her birthday. So which style is your favorite coach? I would prefer the old Woolies from 1950 something. <laughs> Long sleeve, itchy wool. Oh. I, I Like those really? retro, oh. any of those old retro. You know how they have those um, image boards the plaques that you would put up and they've got the jerseys over time for all the CFL teams, basically. Yeah. yeah. Go far to the left in the pitcher spectrum. Wow. And that's what I'd be. Old crest, historical stuff, itchy wool, oh, long sleeve. You are old school. It gets wet and it's like 97 pounds. My my high school coach played for the Montreal Alouettes in the 70s and he had every jersey he'd ever played in. And they were those three-quarter sleeve ones. And I thought... How did you how did you play in that? I don't understand. I just don't get it. Now, you know, uh now guys can't put their their jerseys over top of their pads, right? They have they put it all on as one unit because they've gone a totally different direction than yeah. than years ago. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's grabbing I'm I'm Stanley Bryant. Nobody's grabbing my jersey to to move me around in the field. No. I can't even breathe with this yeah, thing. Yeah, there are no loose jerseys anymore. <laughs> Kevin has been patient enough to to stay with us. Kevin, thanks for being with us. Your question for coach Mike O'Shea. Yeah, Coach, um, my, just asking your opinion on the injury to the BC quarterback, Nathan York. I mean, there's kind of two things. Like, it's yes, BC's not going to be as competitive, but at the same time, it's like, damn, this Canadian quarterback was going to set some record. Just wondering what your opinion on him is. Yeah, I, I fall 
so far the one way. I don't even consider. Um, I don't even consider the, the. This may sound bad, but I don't consider the bombers when I think about this. This is absolutely terrible for the CFL, for the BC Lions, for their new owner, for fans of the game, for for players that want to compete. Players want to play. You you want to play everybody's best. You want to win, and when you get back in your locker, you want to know that you were in an absolute brawl and you had to give everything you had and do almost everything right. Nobody plays a perfect game just to get a marginal victory. <laughs> That's what guys, I mean, that is so satisfying. I, I just, uh, yeah, it's it, it makes you sick to your stomach um, when he goes down and then you hear that he's got to have surgery. It's... Um, and then Canadian football, what you even talked about was the, 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 the number of young football players in Canada that would get to watch him and think, wow, I can do this. I mean, there's everything so positive about Nathan Rourke doing that well and so negative about him being uh, injured and not being able to play um, for the next little while. So yeah, I agree with you, Coach. 100%. Yeah, if you're a CFL fan and you think any other way, there's something wrong with you. You know? Yeah. No, I yeah. I agree. I'm yeah blue bomber through and through, but it, yeah, that hurts the see. It does. It hurts the league. Kevin, you wanted to be at that West Final where BC comes here, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you, uh, Kevin. Appreciate you being with us. Thanks for your call. Thank you. I was trying to think, and you may have a, you may have a, an answer for this, but we, I was talking to some CFL buddies and, and trying to think of who has had an impact on the league like Nathan Rourke this season as a quarterback in the last X number of years since Doug Flutie left the CFL. And I was like, 2004 Casey Printers maybe, but that was a... Yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think it's... Impact is interesting, right? There, so there's young a impact, lot of, let's say there's that. There's a lot of... Uh, he gets a lot of media attention, and it's well-deserved. But our quarterback has got an unbelievable story, too. <laughs> you know, oh. He's a back-to-back Great Cup champion, and he— It's a was, Hollywood movie. It's, a, it's, a, Hollywood it's an unbelievable movie. story. And, you know, when we went head-to-head, Zach prevailed. You know, yeah, team, but you know, Nathan's so, a 24-year-old sure. Canadian pumping no, out David no Archer doubt, numbers, you, right? Like, yeah, David Archer numbers is interesting, right? 6,000 like six thousand yards was possible. David Archer was also sacked, I think, 60 or 70 <laughs> yeah. times that year. So that many yards with that many sacks was unbelievable. That is and cr- they also probably didn't use the waggle for the first half of the year. Oh, really? Yeah. Sac- Sacramento at the I th- time? I think it was Sacramento. Yeah. And they I don't know that they really waggled or <laughs> knew, understood the nuances at the beginning of the year. Yeah. When did they, what game did they figure it out or did they really get it going? Yeah. But imagine that. I mean, that's, I mean, there's only, what, four guys, five guys that have thrown for 6,000 yards? Uh, Flutie. Uh, Twice, right? Uh, Flutie a couple times. Archer, Archer. was one. Uh, Kent Austin did it once. Uh, I think he threw for 6,000 and finished second mm-hmm. one year because Flutie threw for 6,600 one year. Yeah, I mean, Just those bonkers, are incredible but. numbers. And, and I, you know, um, Nathan Rourke has got, uh, he was very impressive, he is very impressive, and he's got an impressive team around him. I don't, you know, I don't think this is the the end of the BC Lions by any stretch. I think they've got, a, they've built a, a, a very, very good football team. 
Yeah, and that that game. I mean, that guy. That game in Vancouver in Week Four was just incredible. Watching all the way all the way through. Uh, sad that we're almost certainly not going to see it in any of the potentially three rematches that come this season. Uh, Terry w- was on Twitter. Wanted to know. Are you preparing for both Bo Levi-Mitchell and Jake Mayer for Thursday's game? Yeah, we're preparing for the Calgary Stampeders. They're going to play a quarterback, and we'll face one of them, or both. Who knows? (laughs) Does it not, at a position as important as quarterback, with guys who could be radically different, and I don't know that Mitchell and Mayer are, except for in certain spots, but you could be Vernon Adams and Trevor Harris when you play in Montreal. Do you, you don't really contemplate that in the until the roster comes out? Yeah, or? Our, our, no, we, we, they certainly watch film on it as they go along, and they look at certain nuances that each quarterback will have. Uh, obviously, uh, Jake will move a little bit more than Bo will, but they still want to move to get the ball downfield, and they want to play quarterback. They just don't want to be a, a, a runner, you know. Jake would. That's not the way their offense is built. So they're gonna they're gonna go in there and run their offense. The thing I guess to look at is whether or not the Stampeders change any of their offense f- for a different quarterback, and I don't think they really do. You know, I think they have complete faith in a guy to come in and run their system. And do you? You, does a quarterback like certain plays more? Yeah, I mean, every every coordinator asks their quarterbacks, "What's your favorite player?" What you know, go down the call sheet and circle the ones you really like. Right. You know, so y- you could say, "Oh, they've they've changed the playbook for them," or they can, or you can say that this quarterback just likes these plays better than the other quarterback did. He sees the field better in this way, or throws this ball better, or whatever. Right. So, uh, I think. The Calgary Stampeders have a system, and and the quarterbacks are in charge of running that system and running the football game. Bombers and Stampeders, Thursday night football, pregame show at 5.30, kickoff with myself and Doug Brown at 7.30. We'll be there, you'll be there, the head coach Michael Shea will be there. Thanks for being with us, the coaches show on 680 CJOB.